Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This week is Pashas Yisrael, and we're going to be talking about the halachas of Natila Sidaim in the morning when you wake up. So there's a, a mitzvah of washing our hands when we wake up in the morning, three times each hand, and alternating between the hands, one, you know, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand. This mitzvah is equally for men, women, and children. And we make the bracha of al-Natil after washing. Aside from this being a mitzvah, there's also an element of sakana, an element of danger being that there is a spiritual um, tumma or spirit on our hands that is a problem. So if our unwashed hands touch either food or certain parts of the body, ours or others, it can be dangerous. And therefore, it's a very important halacha to be careful about, washing hands. This hand washing has the halachas of washing similar to the halachas of washing for bread, l'chadchila. Meaning, ideally, you should be makbid, careful, with this washing the same way you're careful for washing for bread. So you should use a proper cup, remove your rings, and do all the things we're careful about when washing for bread if you can. Now, sometimes it's not possible. You don't have those things available. So then you should wash your hands in any way you can, either straight from the top, tap, I'm sorry, and when you uh, wash from the tap, you do the same thing. You alternate between hands and you wash three times each or finding some water at least to rub your hands with and if all else fails, then at least wipe your hands against the cloth. And when wiping your hands against the cloth, it could be your own clothing, you are supposed to try to get all parts of your hands. So wipe your hands on both sides and wipe your hands in between fingers, and then you'll be permitted to make a bracha after you've done that. You shouldn't make down the tilti diamond based on that, but other brachas, other brachas you'll be permitted to make. Now, the real reason we make a bracha on this washing in the morning is because that washing is a preparation for davening. So if you know that you won't be davening until much later, like if you got up at 7, and you know you're not going to be davening before 10. So the Mishaburah suggests that you don't make the bracha of al when you wash immediately in the morning. He suggests that you should rather wait until you're ready to daven, wash your hands in preparation for davening, and then make the bracha of al together with all the other berchas ha-shachar. So basically, when you're doing the berchas ha-shachar, do them all together, including al-natil and it should be an al-natil that's right before you're davening when you wash your hands to prepare for davening. So in other words, you have two choices here. You can either wash your hands in the morning. I mean, you have to wash your hands in the morning, and when you wash your hands in the morning, you can make the al-natil just then. But Mishmur says, rather, if you know you're going to be davening later, so when you, before you daven, you should wash your hands again, and then make the bracha then. That's what he says is the ideal way to do it. But he also mentions that other pies can disagree and hold that you should do it in the morning, and he really leaves it up to us, even though it seems that he prefers you do it later before davening. The point is to remember, in any case, that before you daven, you have to wash your hands again. The washing in the morning isn't sufficient for tefillah if enough time passed by. So in the case I mentioned, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock, you should ta- actually wash your hands before you daven again. And, and you should wash your hands before davening Shmanasrei every time, if you can. And that washing that you're washing specifically for tefillah doesn't have to be three times each hand. It can really even be one time each hand. But that's a special halacha that when you're going to daven Shmanasrei, a person should wash his hands first. When waking up, before you have washed your hands, you have to be careful not to touch food at all. 
And likewise, we have to be careful our children don't touch food before they have washed in the Yossi Daim. And it's too common, unfortunately, that a child will take cereal and often with their bare hands before washing, and that's not okay. And some places can hold even that food that was touched before in the Yossi Daim, the food should be washed then three times. Now, that makes sense with something like an apple where you can wash it without ruining it or an orange. But that was not, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense for cereal or anything like that, which the food would get ruined. So you don't have to do it for that. But it's just, it just demonstrates that this is a real thing. And it's important to understand it's a serious halacha, and we should be very careful with it, with our children as well, to make sure that they understand that they have to wash their hands before they touch any food. Likewise, Chazal say that before washing hands, we shouldn't touch our mouths, noses, ears, and eyes, any of those orifices on the face. The last one, touching your eyes, can be challenging not to do sometimes when you wake up. And this doesn't only mean our own eyes and mouth, it also means someone else's as well. So we shouldn't be touching a child's mouth or a baby's mouth, uh, ear, nose, or eyes before we wash our hands. This can be difficult when taking care of a baby in the morning or baby wakes up in the wee hours. We typically don't go and wash our hands before taking care of the baby. But we should keep this in mind and try to be careful not to touch those parts of the face. If you wake up very early for whatever reason and are not planning on going back to sleep, and when you woke up, it's still before Alayza Shachar, which is about an hour before sunrise usually. So now the past winter wasn't all that, that's, it wasn't so unusual. You could wake up early at 5 o'clock and it's, already, it's before Alayza. So you should wash your hands even though it's still before Allah, you should wash your hands, but you don't make a bracha then. Now, in the time, you only make after, if you want, when you wash your hands after Allah and after sunrise. But here, it's an interesting situation, because since you woke up before Allah, and you washed your hands, because you have to wash your hands right away, and you wash your hands before Allah, and you don't make a bracha then, then when you wash your hands again after Allah, you also don't make a bracha, and you're kind of stuck. So, in that situation, what Shabura suggests is that what you need to do is go to the bathroom in between. And if you go to the bathroom in between, then the, the time you wash your hands again after Allah, you can make the Al-Natil Sidaim then. So, and basically, if you've woken up before Allah, wash your hands then. Don't make an Al-Natil Sidaim then. And then at some point later, after it's Allah or sunrise, you go to the bathroom and then you can wash your hands and make an Al-Natil Sidaim. Touching parts of the body which are usually covered, touching your shoes, scratching your head, certainly using the bathroom, are all things which require us to wash our hands any time of the day before making any bracha or saying any holy, any holy things, such as Tehillim, Davening, Tyra. And this, again, applies not only to oneself, but also to touching a child's private areas, like when changing a diaper, putting on a child's shoes, and certainly helping a child in the bathroom. All these require us to wash our hands before Davening, making a bracha. And it's important to note that if you're in the middle of a suda that you've washed for, like a suda on Shabbos or any time, that you washed on the Suda, and you go to the bathroom for more than just urinating, or you, you're, you're required to wash again for bread with a bracha of al if you're planning on still eating bread. So if you're in the middle of a Suda and you're still planning on eating bread and you went to the bathroom for, for that purpose, when you, leave, when you come out, you wash your hands and make an al before eating more bread. And the same thing is if you help a child in the bathroom during a Suda. So the same thing applies. You have to wash with a bracha, before continuing to eat any bread. In Parashat Yisrael, we have the Matan Taira, and we also have that initial presentation 
that Hashem commands Moshe to make for Klal Yisrael. It's like, so to speak, the sales pitch for the Torah. To offer and convince Klal Yisrael to accept the Torah. And it begins with the following words. This is what you should say to the house of Yaakov. Rashi explains from the Medrash that Beis Yaakov refers to the woman. So Beis Yaakov means you should address the woman. And Sagid Levin Yisrael refers to the men. You should address the men. And Rashi also explains that the word Taimar and Tagid are two different tones of voice. To the woman it should be presented with an amira, which is softly and encouragingly, and to the men, it should be presented as a demand, forcefully. That's sagi. In any case, it appears that there were two offers, one made for the woman, one made for the men, and the offer was made to the woman first, and then to the men. is the women first, for Yisrael, I mean. Why is that? Why, were we, why was the Torah, the presentation, the sales pitch, the offer to accept the Torah, why was that made to women first, and then to the men? I saw that there are no less than about seven answers to this question. We're not going to go through all of them, but let's go through a couple of them. The first answer, is, the Medrash says, is that the women were offered the Torah first because the women are mizdarzois lamitzah. Mizdarzois, like a lotion of zrizus. They hasten to perform mitzvahs. Now, where do we see that women have this midah of zrizus, that they, they are the ones that will be Hey, they'll, they'll, they'll be the, the, quicker, the quicker ones to accept the tyrant. So many of us have discussed this. The way I understand what they're saying is that the power the women displayed throughout Yitzhak Mitzrayim and after as well was their ability to have Amuna without questions. Chazal tells us again and again how the women had faith and they encouraged their husbands to have children in Mitzrayim even though the husbands had lost hope. They had faith, and they came out of Mitzrayim with drums, prepared to sing Shira to Hashem, confident that he would perform a miracle. They had faith and started thinking, singing Shira even before the men did, as we discussed uh, in an earlier Shira. And the aspect of the faith that they had was that they didn't allow their seichal, that is the natural tendency of a person to try to understand and reason and, and be logical, they didn't allow that to mess with their hearts. The women felt Hashem's presence, they believed in Hashem, they trusted in Him, and they didn't let the questions raised by their minds to hinder them. And that's where they were first. They were the first to trust in Hashem, the first to bring out the drums, the first to start singing Shira. And here too, men, by Kabbalah Satara, the men waited for more information about Kabbalah Satara. Rashi mentions that they were told Dikdukim, which are intricate details. And the women trusted Hashem implicitly and accepted the Torah through haste. They didn't wait for all those explanations and details. They trusted, they had amuna, they had faith, and they were misdarzois. They were quick to accept the mitzvahs. And therefore they were presented the Torah first so that they should be an example for the men. That's the first chat. The second answer given by the Medrash is that women are the ones who will send their children to school to learn that will encourage them to do well and instill within them the faith and excitement about learning Torah. Meaning, you can accept Torah now, and that's what Hashem is making this offer, but this offer of Kabbalah Satara wasn't a one-time a deal, it was a historical event. Kabbalah Satara was for all generations. Hashem wanted the acceptance of Kali Yisrael to be a permanent thing. 
As Hashem himself says to Moshe Rabbeinu, after Kabbalah Satera, in Parshas Voschanan, Mi yitain v'hayu l'vavam zeh l'hem l'yira oisi v'lishmer es kalmet soise kalhayem. Mi yitain, who would guarantee that their hearts would be like this to fear me and keep my mitzvahs all of the days for all generations? So when Kabbalah the Torah was, was presented, it was presented with the understanding that this is a permanent Kabbalah. The Kabbalah had to be something really powerful. And therefore, the Torah was presented to the woman first because their acceptance was the real insurance that the Torah would be eternally kept and revered by Kalah Yisrael. That's the second answer, that the women are the ones who will ensure the continuance of this acceptance. The third answer given by the Medrash is that Hashem says, when I gave the first commandment ever, the very first commandment in history, which was to Adam Rishon, don't eat from the Eitz Hadas. So Hashem gave it to Adam Rishon, and He didn't give it to Chava, even though it was including Chava, but He addressed Adam. And look what happened. Chava ended up eating from the Eitz Hadas. So now, I will command the woman first. That's what the Medrash says. That's why the women were offered the Torah first. So what does this mean? It seems that originally the first mitzvah was given to Adam and was kind of his responsibility to see that it was kept. And Chava did not feel, and perhaps it wasn't even her responsibility, that the mitzvah should be kept. And therefore was Nachshal. She failed in the mitzvah. But here by Kabbalah Satara Hashem said, the only way this will work is if it's the exact opposite. The women have to be presented with the Torah first so that they take it as their responsibility to see to it that the Torah is kept. And if the women take it on, then the men will follow suit. And that will guarantee that the Torah is kept. Adam and Farshan point out uh, that as a result of the women getting offered the Torah first is what encouraged them, inspired them to not fall into the trap of the Egel, even though the men did. So in truth, they did take it as a personal responsibility. And them taking it as a responsibility would guarantee the men's compliance as well. And, and that's a fascinating thing to think about. And it, it's very similar in concept to the fourth answer to this question, which is given by the Pirkei Drebeliazer, which is also a Medrash, that men tend to follow their wife's counsel. It might not seem like that, but apparently that's the way it's supposed to be. So men tend to, tend to follow their wife's counsel and encouragement. So if the women accept the Torah, the men will accept it as well. Now, I believe that this has a deeper meaning. In, in the relationship of, of man and woman, the woman represents the heart, the emotional foundation of the relationship, and the man represents the sechel, the logical, intellectual foundation of the relationship. Now, obviously, it doesn't play out in that particular way in real life. But that's the metaphor. That's the representation of man and woman in, in, in relationships. Now we know, as Bali Musa say again and again, that we might know something in our minds. We might even believe it totally. But if it isn't in our hearts, then there's no guarantee that that's what we'll do or consistently keep to it. is the command we say every day to make what's in our minds in our hearts, a part of our hearts, bring it into your heart. And this is what is meant here regarding the women's Kabbalah satira versus the men's Kabbalah. It was necessary that the Kabbalah should be entrenched in the heart of Kalah And only then was it guaranteed that the mind will always follow the heart. 
for all future generations. It'll follow suit. And this depended on the woman's Kabbalah. Nasa v'nishma, in essence, means that. Nasa, we will do, is an emotional truth. There's no logic necessary. Our bodies will follow Hashem and do Hashem's will, because that's the heart. And then v'nishma, then our minds will follow after. So that's the fourth answer. answer. The fifth answer, which we'll conclude with, is the most unusual answer. The Mesh of Zikainim, which is a collection of Pirushim from the Balei HaTesis, with the Rishayinim who comprise the majority of our explanations of Gemara, they quote from one of these Balei HaTesis, whose name was Rav Moshe from Narbona, that it was actually in Leah's Zchus, Leah Imenu's Zchus, that the women were offered the Tyra first. What was Leah's Zchus? A fascinating fact, never heard before. Leah valued Tyra tremendously. She had a plate of gold. She had this plaque of gold, which had the inscription of all things, Tyra Tziva Lanu Meisha, Meirasha Kihilas Yaakov. That was inscribed on, obviously through Nebua, it was inscribed on this plate of gold that she had. And she would study this plate night and day. She would study it. And the glare of the sun reflecting off the gold hurt her eyes and caused her to tear. And that's why it says the Ene Leia Rakas. It was because her eyes were tearing from studying this plate of gold all the time. That is a fascinating thing. And that's Chus. This Chashivas for Tyra, this love for Tyra that she had. In that Chus, the women were offered Tyra first. That's the highly original chat. But I still quoted from the Torah Hamar, which is an early Purish on Chumash, who explains that when Leah had Yehuda, her fourth child, she thought that she had accomplished the greatest thing. She had been Zeicha to a child who would be the king, the whole, the whole, the whole kingdom of Yisrael. But later she realized that even a king is nothing without the Torah. All that a king does is only worth if he follows the Torah's laws. So therefore she once again davened and wished for another ta- child, one who would be dedicated to the Torah. And through her tefillahs and her efforts, she was Zeichah to have Yisafcha, who were the Tamidi Chachamim of Klai Yisrael, who produced all the Rashi Sanhedrin, who dedicated their lives to learning with the support of Zavulin. So here too, we see her dedication and her desire to have children learning Torah. And I saw an additional point made, that Leah was also an example to explain why it was so important to have the women accept the Torah first, as we see how much effort Leah put into having the Torah part of her and her children, and that's why the women had to be the ones to guarantee the eternal acceptance of the Torah through their Kabbalah Satara. Beautiful, beautiful pshat. So the five pshatim are why women were offered the Torah first. The five that I mentioned was their Mizdarzus Lamitza. They hastened to be Makabalah Torah before the men. Second answer is that the women will be the ones who encourage their children and uh, ensure the, the eternal Kabbalah satira. The third answer is that the, by Eit Hadas, Chava was given, the, uh, Adam was given the commandment first, so Hashem wanted to give it to the women first here. And the fourth shot is by Pekadur of Elaza that men will follow their wife's counsel. So the women were given the Torah first. When you say it would have to be an emotional Kabbalah Satara. And the fifth answer is it's the Zchus of Leah who dedicated her life to Torah. Have a uh, good night and a good Shabbos.